It's kind of been a theme in my own life. Uh, whenever I have challenges that seem unsurmountable, the answer is always dig deeper in Scripture. Talk to the Lord about that. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do you long to study the Bible more deeply and be better equipped to teach God's Word? That's why Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary offers a variety of flexible degree options that empower you to do just that. Through its diverse selection of certificate programs, master's degrees, and advanced degrees, Southeastern desires to equip women to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Southeastern believes that God has commanded each of us to go and make disciples by teaching His Word and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. Southeastern would be privileged to play a part in your growth in His Word and your training to fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. To find out more, explore degree options, or to schedule a visit, check out sebts.edu. Welcome listeners to the show today. We are so excited about today's guest. Today we have Miss Jane Creswell. She is an innovator and leader in the field of corporate coaching. She's leveraged 17 years of product development and management experience at IBM to invent the role of organization coach and became the founder of IBM Coaches Network. At IBM, she focused her organization on achieving extraordinary results by individually coaching the leaders at all levels of the organization. Currently, Ms. Creswell is utilizing those experiences to help corporations worldwide wanting to establish a long-term self-sustaining system of internal coaching and reap the benefits of coaching culture. Her focus is on helping others make the high-impact transition from merely influencing others to developing excellent leaders who develop excellent leaders. I am so about that. Her work can be characterized as maximizing the strengths and knowledge of individuals for the benefit of both the person and the organization. She has authored three books, including The Complete Idiot's Guide, Coaching for Excellence and Christ-Centered Coaching, Seven Benefits for Ministry Leaders, and God Nods. Jane was the inaugural recipient of the Thomas Leader Achievement Award granted by the IFC Midwest Conference in June 2014 for her impact through the coaching industry for over 20 years. And we get to have you here on our podcast. <laughs> I get to be here, here on your podcast. <laughs> so excited to have you. Jane, it's such an honor to have you with us today. Oh, stop it. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, whenever I hear people read my my bio like that, Missy, you know, for me, it's just this worship experience. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, God did that. God did Aww. that. God did, I remember yes. when God did that and that and that. Wow. And that. It's, I feel like it's kind of like a Hebrews 11 kind of thing. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yes. So, I love that. Well, we can't yeah. wait to get to know you more. So we're going to jump right in with our rapid okay. fire questions, Jane. All right. Okay. As a kid, okay. what did you want to be when you grew up? A doctor. Did you? Okay. Oh, Yes. I did. But you did not become a doctor. <laughs> I had no idea that you actually had to be able to handle the side of blood to do oh, that. Okay. <laughs> so yes. that curtailed that profession. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. It was done okay. after that. 
<laughs> okay, what was actually your first job? Um, I worked at a bookstore. Oh, okay. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, no. As as a teenager, I did not think it was very much fun. Yes. Okay. But I, it was, it was. uh, Actually, it was an interesting bookstore that they don't have these kind of things anymore. Um, It it catered to um, selling books to the local private high schools. And oh. so it was where you went to get all your school supplies and art supplies and um, and books for okay. all your classes. So, okay, so not a traditional bookstore. Yeah. So what kind of work do you want to be doing at the end of your life when you're 80 plus? I, I love that question, Courtney, because I don't plan to retire. I just plan to slow down. And I'll still be coaching people when I'm 80 plus um, because I can do it at my pace and (laughs) all I have to have is a telephone, uh, sometimes a video camera. That's it. I love it. Keep it going. Well, tell us about you. Where did you grow up and where have you lived most of your adult life? And tell us briefly how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, Grew up in Mobile, Alabama. You can probably hear it. Yes. Jane, did you know uh, I went to college in Mobile, Alabama? I'm from Alabama. Yeah. Where are you from, Courtney? I am from outside of Montgomery, a little town called Tallahassee, and I went to the University of Mobile. Ah, cool. Very cool. I actually started my college career at Mobile College. No way. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I graduated from Auburn University, War Eagle. I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. You were yeah, an Alabama. Yeah. So I uh, I did this program at Mobile College, what it was called then, University of Mobile now, and uh, it was for uh, high school students to be able to start their college career. And uh, and so I took two classes in the summer between my junior and senior year, and then two classes between my senior year and my my freshman year at Auburn. And those, all of those credits transferred and of course and so I got a head start with um, you know four courses under my belt before I even went to Auburn and uh, actually which interesting is my childhood friend's husband is now the president of University of Mobile oh well, how about that wow. so, and are you still in Mobile oh no 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 <laughs> so I uh, spent most of my adult life uh, in North Carolina okay. um, a couple of moves Mobile to Houston to North Carolina and stayed there for 24 years but now I live in Indiana, okay. at West, West Lafayette, Indiana, where my husband's on faculty at Purdue University. Okay. okay. How did you um, become a Christian? Were you raised in a Christian household? or I was. I was raised in a Christian home. Uh, in fact, the way I say it is I can't remember a time that I didn't know that Jesus loved me. Mm, I love that. Just can't can't come up with that. Um, my grandfather actually physically built the church I grew up in. Mm. And uh, he was he and my grandmother were part of a home church that started. And when they got enough, big enough to actually build a church, and uh, when they bought the land for the church, he bought the land for his own home, which was the home that I grew up in. And so um, it was just right down the street (laughs) from the church. So, um, yeah. So I decided to follow Jesus when I was eight years old. I was baptized when I was eight. And uh, it's just been a a part of my life, like I said, as as long as I can remember, Um, you know. But, you know, 
have this growing knowledge. I certainly didn't know everything I needed to know at eight. Well, in some ways I did. All I knew was I needed to follow Jesus. Yes. That's pretty much the prescription for the rest. But, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, my knowledge of what does it mean to follow Jesus, you know, has been uh, continuing to grow all those years and, uh, you know, hopefully will be until I'm coaching in my rocking chair at 80 plus. (laughs) Okay. So take us back to the beginning of your work at IBM. You did not begin there as a coach. They first hired you to do what? Oh, that's a good question. Um, So they first hired me to to be a computer programmer. Okay. Um, That's what you studied at Auburn? I did. Uh, And I am old enough, ladies, that um, there was no such thing as a computer science degree. Um, okay. okay. And back in the day, um, but there was a, I studied mathematics with a focus in computer science, and uh, so that was actually my degree program. And so I started as a programmer for the space shuttle with IBM, and uh, moved wow. to yeah moved to Houston, uh, Clear Lake City to be specific, where NASA is. Um, to be a programmer for the space shuttle. Uh, That was was my first job. I was horrible at it. (laughs) (laughs) I was a good student. I was a a great student. I knew how to get A's in classes. I knew how to please professors. I did not know how to program uh, when I got to IBM. And, you know, when there are human lives involved, they figure out Mm. really quickly if you know how to do it or not. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, so how did you bring your honesty? Honestly, that's really actually, it is freeing. Right? It is some freedom in that. So then how did you how transition, did transition? Into, yeah, into becoming well, the first organization coach? Oh goodness. Uh so the short version. Uh the short version is wasn't a good programmer, but I was uh I actually kind of was a natural at coaching. I didn't even know what it was, but I was doing it. Um, and so I was such a horrible programmer. They tell me, don't touch any code. Um, and um, then I started just talking to people about their, um, you know, challenges that they had at work and trying to figure out how to contribute to my team. And um, I, I was actually coaching the team. And, and while I wasn't allowed to touch any code, I actually coached my teammates uh, to be more productive. And that ballooned into eventually becoming a manager and a a senior manager at at IBM leading uh, global uh, teams of hundreds of people uh, producing software that was bringing in $200 million a year for the IBM corporation. And so, but all the while... It was actually in my in my college experience that I felt like God called me to be a missionary to the corporate world, which is a whole wow. other podcast in itself. But yeah. uh, while I'm, you know, going up the ladder at IBM, the whole time I worked at IBM, I felt like God had called me to be a missionary to IBM. You know, as if I had read a lot of lot of biographies of missionaries. Uh, growing up in my church, and I was fascinated actually by missionaries who were the first missionary to a country. And when I felt this call from God to be a missionary to the corporate world, I thought, okay, 
what if you put all the corporations together in one place? That would actually be the largest unreached country for Christ. And this aha happened when I was 19 years old. And so I felt like God was calling me to be maybe not the first missionary, but in my mind I had it (laughs) that I was the first missionary (laughs) to this unreached country called the corporate world. And so I had been trying to figure out what does that look like? You know, what What does it mean to actually be a missionary to IBM? So do you and, feel like uh, through coaching of these teams and individuals, that's how you were able to be a missionary to the corporate world? You know, uh, I there was a kind of a decision moment that happened in my life. Um, I was like 36 years old, 35, 36, something like that. And uh, I felt like, you know, I was at a decision point in my life and I thought leading this global, huge global team that's bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, I don't know if that's being a missionary as much as it used to be, Uh, but the more I learn about coaching, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know that because I didn't know how to coach yet. But, uh, you know, I just asked the Lord, I'm just like, is that it? And it was like, yeah, girl, go. And and so (laughs) I signed up to become trained as a coach, you know, all the while I'm doing a senior IBM manager job, married, two kids. And, you know, it's not like I had any extra time laying around anywhere. Um, But on top of that, I added being trained on in the evenings and weekends to become a coach. Okay, wow. wow. So then I have a question. How would you define Christ-centered coach, coaching as opposed to just being a coach um, in a regular corporate setting? It really has to do with, well, I have kind of a formal description. It's probably a paragraph mm-hmm. long in my book. <laughs> but okay. I, but I'll boil it down to uh, that that whole idea of, you know, it's me and God. Okay, it's you mm-hmm. and me, Jesus, uh, and and kind of considering, help me know how to be trained. And I was being trained by some very new age spirituality, woo-woo kind of folks. Interesting. And I was like, okay, that's not God. <laughs> that's not scriptural. <laughs> you know, I was in my mind, I was like, are, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> you know? Wow. These people are training me. They're certainly not scripturally based. Um, but it was Christ in me who was pointing me to, oh, but there are scriptures that that go with what you're learning. Those people don't know them yet, but you're going to be the one who's training people in those. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So um, why would... This is just a question. What would you say, why is it important for women in particular to receive coaching? Like, what are the benefits there? You know, mm. If someone mm. says, you know, I'm thinking about it, but, you know, what is this going to be worth my time? Um, how do you help these women progress? And is it just in their professional life or do you also meander sort of into their home life as well? Yeah, I was wondering if it's the same as counseling, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, good questions. Uh, a big part of the ethics of a professional coach is knowing the distinction with counseling. So we'll start there. Okay. Um, so counseling tends to to talk about 
the past and healing the past and how is the past informing your life now and and people who are professional counselors take you there so that you can heal and so that you can move forward mm-hmm. um they are healthcare professionals um and you know and you can use your health insurance for counseling um coaches are not um, mm-hmm. So it, it, coaches assume health in okay. the people that they're coaching, um, at least enough health to be able to participate in the coaching. Sometimes people do counseling and coaching at the same time, but mm-hmm. but coaches are trained in how to tell the difference between when somebody really needs only counseling and don't come back until you've healed. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so coaching is more about where are you now and where are you going to be? Okay. Um, and so helping you get there. So that that's the main distinction between counseling and coaching. So um, a little bit more about the definition of coaching to answer Courtney's part of the question about why women need a coach. Um, I don't tell people what to do. I don't, I don't share any wisdom with them. I, I don't say, oh, now this is what you, how you need to look at it or, you know, any of that. That's not the role of of a professional coach. Um, But what coaches do is assume that you are the expert in your life in your personal life, in your work life, in your family life, you know, and that I am just trying to help you tap into that expertise to Hmm. achieve what it is that you feel like you want to do going forward. Now, I'll say that in faith language. Um, I believe we're all made in God's image. We're told we're made in God's image. And there's so much more potential inside each of us, especially when you consider the Christ in us. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have been knit together in our mother's wombs. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that fearfully and wonderfully means there's so much we don't even understand about how God created us and what he equipped us to do and what it is that he wants us to do. But as a Christ-centered coach, I believe all that is inside you. Mm -hmm. And it's my job to ask the questions and have the conversations with you and to encourage you um, as you actually take steps to move forward, to tap into all of that potential that God knit into you uh, before we even knew your name. That's amazing. So now I can answer Courtney's question. So why would women in particular want a coach? Um, I think uh, we all, men and women, uh, women in particular, have so much untapped potential. I don't know that there have been a whole lot of people in our lives, maybe some individuals, this is not true for, but most women there isn't anybody that's been in their life who said it's my job to tap into that God-given potential that you have. It's true. Uh, there might be an, a, a one-off teacher that did that for you, 
But for the most part, they're trying to teach the curriculum and make sure that they cover all the curriculum that was covered and test you on it to make sure you got it. They're not trying to tap into that stuff that makes you unique and set apart from everybody else on the planet to help you thrive and do things that everybody looks at and goes, man, that was amazing. I mean, you know, when people hear my bio, they go, wow, that was amazing. I was like, God put all that potential in me before I was even crawling. Well, you're really speaking our language here at Women in Work because, I mean, part of our uh, mission statement is, I mean, we actually use that word potential. We want to inspire women to leverage their God-given potential, what he put within them um, for his glory. And so your heartbeat for, and and I feel like you kind of put the the feet on drawing that out of them. And it sounds like through your questions, you're really helping them yeah, you're kind of an agent of discernment. You're kind of helping these women discern, okay, this is how he seems to be leading me or not. Um, and what a gift that God's enabled you to be able to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I love the phrase agent of discernment, Courtney, but and with emphasis on the agent part, I'm just trying to make sure discernment happens, but it's really not my discernment. It's pulling out their discernment. Right, right. You know? Asking the right questions, it sounds like, to help them discover. Yeah, yeah. And then, but they'll turn it, I mean, every single client I've ever had will turn it back to me. Well, what do you think? Well, it doesn't <laughs> matter what I think. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, what are you hearing from God? And then, you know, that's with the people who acknowledge that they listen to God. Um, and, you know, when that's the case, even people who would say that they listen to God, when I say, what are you hearing from God? Like, oh, I haven't asked him about that. You think he cares about my career? I was like, well, yeah, that's what you do with most of your waking hours. That's He cares about your career. So what are, what are some of the specific questions you ask people? Like, do you have a list of this is what I come in and I ask each person each time? Or nope. what are some of the things? Nope, nope. I start with where do you want to go? Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And and either, you know, if it's if it's someone who is Christ-centered themselves, I will change that question to um you know, where do you sense God is leading you? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is it that you're being called to do or that type of thing. But most of the people, so remember, I'm a missionary of the corporate world. So I'm a missionary. That means I'm called to the people that don't speak faith language. Um, and what I've learned over the years is that coaching, the the kind of coaching that I do, bringing out, making that assumption, you know, I, I make the assumption about all of that potential in people, even if they don't acknowledge they have a creator. I do. I know mm-hmm. how they were created. And so it's still in there. You know, so I still operate with them the same way I do with everybody else. And the interesting thing is, I, you know, I'll throw in some phrases now and then like, well, what were you created to do? And I've had, I don't know, probably in the hundreds now of people say, you're pretty sure that I have a creator, but I don't, I don't know who that is. Hmm. You know, and it gives me an opportunity to say, oh, 
Okay. Well, that's a different kind of conversation. And I've had a lot of those different kind of conversations as well. But, you know, they pick up on my language and then they go, what do you mean by that? You know, so little, little bitty nuggets. And then people are drawn to Christ because of that pursuit. God is in pursuit of everyone to be in relationship with him before they know it. And so uh, the interesting thing is there's so many things in common with how God deals with us um, and even the way Christ operated in, as we read in the Gospels, we can learn he, he had a lot of coach-like behaviors so that we would say now sound a lot like a coach. Um, and all of that to me says, if I then try to mimic Jesus' behavior in the way that I coach, then I can attract people to want to know Jesus. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question was how you are, like, are you intentionally incorporating, um, the, how, how are you drawing people in? It sounds like you're using certain phrases that really might pique their curiosity. So it's almost, it's really interesting. I feel like how the Lord's gifted you to, you're in both believers and non-believers. It really sounds like you're pulling out from them that God's enabled you to ask the right questions or speak the right phrases that would pique their curiosity and 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 get their gears turning in their mind and in their heart to turn toward the Lord. Yeah. Have um yeah. Yeah. Have you yeah. had now in the corporate world, have you received any, you know, pushback from from leaders or even anyone you're coaching where they're like, no, no, no. I don't I don't introduce this Christian faith to me. Yes. Uh mm-hmm. I have received some pushback. (laughs) Uh, I have so many stories. Um, You know, the enemy is just not happy anytime Mm. we are up to this kind of uh, activity. And so there's going to be a lot of, you know, uh, I mean, Jesus said it, there's going to be, you're going to experience trouble in this world. I'm telling you in advance. And so, boy, I sure have. I almost got fired from IBM three times. No way. Away. Even <laughs> even with all of that stuff that you read in the bio, there were some people who figured out what I was doing, and they were going to make sure it stopped. Uh, but they never did. They weren't successful. Um, and oh. so, um, but, you know, Scripture <laughs> uh, has a lot to say about what do you do, you know, in terms of that. You know, keep your eyes on the prize and don't be distracted by all of the things that be in the world, but not of it. Don't set yourself in under priorities that other people are under. You know, you focus on what you've been called to do. You know, I, there's just... Tons and tons and tons of um, situations where people would try to um, try to thwart um, what I was doing. When it comes to private clients, um, or or to or even to my clients at IBM, um, coaching and it's in coaching professional coaching ethics that coaching, the content of coaching conversations is confidential. Okay. And so you have to create this 
kind of veil of confidentiality around that I will not share what's mm-hmm. shared in a coaching session sure. unless you talk about harming yourself or others right. or breaking the rules you know, breaking the laws of the country that I'm in or the laws of even your company, you know, where Mm -hmm. I'm coaching. So there, you know, it's not confidentiality at all costs, but it's there to protect so that the, the individual person can feel free to talk about, you know, my failures and my things that I haven't been successful at yet. That's what I want coaching around. And they wouldn't feel free to do that if they thought I was going to turn around and tell their boss, So, you know, so that's, so confidentiality has to be protected. And because of that, if they want to talk about matters of faith, they can. So when you're coaching professionally, what are some of the typical problems that the, maybe maybe even specifically women, um, that they are trying to overcome? Do you see it like a pattern of things or are there things that this is normal for women to need coaching for? That needs to be my 10th book. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There are definitely trends uh, in terms of what people uh, want coaching around. And so let me focus on women. I actually have not written a book on this, but I have taught uh, plenty of seminars on this. Um, I've done and, and weekend retreats and stuff. The content is called lead like a woman, not like Mm. a girl. Interesting. And so if I were to bundle up the top 10 things that women want coaching around, they lead to bringing little girl behaviors into the workplace. Interesting. Or bringing little girl behaviors into their decision-making process. Even Explain that a, a little bit for us, Jane. What are yeah. they doing? <laughs> so let me give you one example. As little girls, uh, we are kind of taught and groomed to um, include everybody and be fair. Okay. And, you know, that sounds familiar, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. And which would be the reason why, you know, I can't not invite everybody in my class, you know, who, to my birthday party. And, yes. you know, so I got to include everybody and we got to be fair. Well, the way that shows up as you become an adult those things that we're called to do and those things that are, we're able to perform at our highest level of performance at are actually the things that we're unique in. Right. So being unique is automatically at odds with including everybody and being fair. So hmm. as soon as a woman, I'll just use myself as an example, um, as soon as a woman starts exerting her uniqueness, well, that's not like everybody else. Right. And in fact, I'll get promoted for it. Well, how is that fair? Because, you know, I want to I want to be promoted too, or I want to do those things too. And I'm like, well, just do what God has gifted you to do and leave me alone. You know, <laughs> so, so the, but that's not how it works in I call it female nation. It doesn't work that way in female nation. As soon as one of us is starting to thrive, starting to really do those things that are unique about us, that aren't aren't the same with everybody else, then other people around us bring their little, these are little girl behaviors, not Mm -hmm. mature woman behaviors, into the picture to snipe at you and and, you know, talk about you or, you know, try to bring you down or, you know, all those kind of things. 
for years, I did not feel welcome in women's Bible studies because hmm. as soon as it's known that I'm a that I was an executive at IBM, then there was nobody that wanted to have a conversation with me or wanted to hear about what scripture was saying to me about being an executive at IBM. Wow. And uh, it was really, and still is a really hard situation. Uh, and I, I used I learned how to use the telephone a long time ago. Uh, and I started a Bible study with a woman. I was living in North Carolina and she was living in Seattle, Washington. And she was like, me too. You know, and I shared this with her and how painful it is. And she was like, me too. I was like, we need to do a Bible study together. And so for years, we would get on the phone and pull out our Bibles and study scripture together and then say, well, what is God saying to us as executive women about what we need to do with that? Mm -hmm. So the mission, I think that this is an important thing. I think that's part of our whole mission, right, Court? Exactly. God has called all of us to work. And nobody's work is superior or inferior to anyone else's. So executive chef at your home, (laughs) executive at IBM, that's all work. And I do think that that's what makes even this conversation so unique is that if God has gifted all of us with work and all of us are seeing ourselves as sisters and not enemies or even um, competitors in this work, or as you put it, female nation, then we can begin to appreciate why wouldn't I want to, as a mom with four kids, have conversations with a woman who's working outside of her home so that I can have such a, a much more broad perspective of what God is doing in the lives of women in all kinds of spaces and how that could be impactful even in my home, because look at God moving over there and look at God moving over there and look at God moving over there. And I think we miss out when we begin to segregate ourselves off by the homeschool moms and the Mm -hmm. no kid, women with no kids and the single ladies and the ladies who are working outside the home. It's so silly that we do that. Uh, Oh yeah. I, I, I hear you. Amen. I, I agree with that. And, uh, and it's the reason why I was so excited about getting to talk to you guys today, Um, because I think we're kindred spirits and, and all of that. But I, I, I have often said, I, you know, kind of felt like there's this hierarchy of spiritual women, you know, and I don't know who's at the top, but I (laughs) I got the really clear picture that executive women are at the bottom. Well, I want to speak to that because I think that it appears, let's say that, you know, you step into a women's Bible study and these women are not talking to you and they're coming off very snobby and almost prideful. But I have a hunch that underneath what comes off as snobbiness um, and arrogance is probably a lot of insecurity. They're yeah. probably very insecure that, oh my goodness, who, like, wow, she, I mean, just reading your bio, it's really impressive. And mm-hmm. so they're probably in the in the back of their mind, they may not speak this out loud, but it's like, oh no, I'm not that smart. I'm not that accomplished. And they're feeling the weight of their own insecurity and unfortunately not operating in love. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of anxiety could be um, overcome by just loving the person in front of you, thinking about Absolutely. their needs, asking questions about them. How can I serve this person instead of 
thinking about my myself so much. Yeah. But I want to ask you um, a question going back to the uniqueness that you said, you know, it's really the uniqueness that what God is uniquely giving you is, is how you're going to be promoted. It's how you're going to be moved forward. How can women, when we feel the, you know, the push down from other women or even in our own selves, like, oh no, I'm not going to, this is when I'm not included anymore in this group because now I'm being elevated. How do we develop the confidence to say, no, wait, I'm going to hold my shoulders back. This is how God has gifted me. And I'm going to step forward in faith. How hmm. do we push down that um, angst we feel even in our own hearts to say, no, this is to just move forward in confidence. How do we gain that? Well, a couple, I have a couple answers. Um, so, you know, one answer is it's kind of been a, a theme in my own life. Uh, whenever I have challenges that seem unsurmountable, the answer is always dig deeper in scripture. Okay. Talk to the hmm. Lord about that. Mm-hmm. You know, be looking for what does God say about it, how he's equipped you and what he will do for you. And what are what are the promises that actually specifically apply to your uniqueness and, and God's calling? If you do a, a search on what the New Testament has to say about this idea of calling and you stop thinking of it as being, oh, well, that's about pastors. Start thinking of it as being, that's addressing this idea of my own uniqueness and how Mm -hmm. my uniqueness is Mm -hmm. supposed to show up in the world. You will find a lot of scripture about that. Okay. Um, And so so that's my first answer. Love that. My second answer is I actually met a guy who did his PhD research at Harvard, and he developed a process to help people discover their high-performance pattern. And so what is that unique pattern that you perform in every time you're performing at your peak. Uh, And that's what his um, actually master's and PhD uh, research was about. Hmm. And I was introduced to him through an executive that I was coaching at IBM. And he said, have you ever met Jerry Fletcher? You talk just like him. And so I was like, hmm. no, I don't have time. You know, I'm too busy. I eventually did meet Jerry because Jerry reached out to me because the same guy was bugging him about, <laughs> have you ever met Jane Cresswell? <laughs> and so we met and uh, then we went, why did we wait so long to do this? Turns out he is a believer and that his research was very grounded in scripture as well. And so he taught me his process for helping people discover their high performance patterns. And it's so, so grounded, but basically it's looking at a few times that stick out in your life as an example of, yeah, without a doubt, I was performing at my peak. I haven't been able to repeat repeat it a whole bunch of times, but that time I was. And so we look for multiple times where that has happened in your life, and we pull out the commonalities in your stories of when you have performed at your peak to find that pattern of peak performance. And then coach you around that. So where are times when your current job right now, are you using that pattern? No, why not? And so what what are the differences? What are the parts of that pattern that might be missing in your current role that if you made some changes 
sometimes those changes are changes in your own thought patterns. They're not mm-hmm. really changes in your job description. They're just changes in the way you think about, you know, what you're doing and what you're, what you think your boss thinks about you and a whole bunch of other complexities. Um, but, but if you'll stick to that pattern, then you can repeat it every time. And that gives confidence. I'm telling oh, that's great. if you know, I've done it before. Here's the pattern. I can do it again. And now every task that you put your mind to, whether it's your work or your home life, you're in the community, in your church life, you know, you always use that same pattern. Then every time you do build confidence. Is there a book or website we could read more about this pattern? Yes. Right. (laughs) Yes and no. Jerry wrote a book, uh, Patterns of High Performance. Okay. You know, I'm not going to really recommend Jerry. Book. It's very clinical. It was okay. the. It was kind of the you know result of his PhD research, and it was his, mm, right. basically his dissertation. He became a really dear friend of mine, and he would laugh his head off at, at me <laughs> saying, "I don't recommend this book." Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, unfortunately, he died uh, in in, uh, 2007 of a blood disorder that they didn't figure out until it was too late. And uh, but his wife, bless her heart, gave me the permission to continue his work. Um, and and using that research. So, um, but no, we haven't written a book about that, but we do seminars and work with it a lot and stuff. But, um, but no, yeah, that's the reason why I said that book on um, Lead Like a Woman was, or or whichever it was, uh, you know, those patterns of things that people want coaching around was going to be the 10th book, you know, high performance performance patterns are like the fifth book. You know, yes. so no, you've got to do it. You've got to we do need it. you to write that. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I should say when I'm 80, I'm still going to be writing books. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll be reading. Well, Jane, I do feel like the idea of coaching is becoming very, very popular. And I'm sure that we have listeners who are going to be dying to hear more. And we'll even make sure in the show notes, like access to uh, links to your books and things like that. But as we close, what is one piece of advice Uh, you would leave women who want to honor God through their vocational calling? You know, it was, it's not like you didn't prep me for this question, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm also trying to pause and say, okay, Lord, here's your last little shot. Here's your last chance to speak through me today. And so I'm going to say something that I I didn't actually plan to say uh, on that. And that is, if you want to know what you're supposed to be doing Talk to the maker, you know, kind of look on the label and say, you know, made by God, you know, um, and 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 check in with your creator knows what you were created to do, you know, and you don't have to know that you don't you don't even have to know the whole answer to that right now. But you can know you can trust that if you seek with all your heart what it was you he created you to do, he will tell you. That's great advice. Seek the Lord. Agreed. Well, Jane, I do want to, um, if women are hearing this and they're like, hmm, I think I need Jane to coach me. I mean, are you taking clients? How do they, how do they access you? <laughs> um, I do uh, coach uh, some people. Uh, I mainly train coaches. Oh, uh, is that what you do? Okay. Because, because I get asked this question too many times and I'm not going to have enough waking hours from now till when I'm 80 to coach. So if someone wants to learn coaching, how do they learn from you? 
Um, so the, uh, they can email me uh, and uh, Jane at getpositive.today. Okay. Um, well, and, but then I've trained a bunch of coaches. So we actually have about 75 coaches that work in our company. Wow. And so, uh, and they all have uh, what one thing that we have that they have in common is that they are all Christ-centered. And so I am not the right coach for every person on the planet. I'm just not. But that's why we keep creating more coaches um, because I do want everybody on the planet to be able to have a coach. I love that. Well, our listeners no doubt have learned a lot from you today. This has been encouraging to us. And so thank you again for coming on. Thanks for inviting me. It was fun. Uh, actually, I'm uh, I'm not believing that time is up. I know. It went by so fast. It flew by, yes. When you're having fun, that's what happens. Yes, yes. <laughs> and thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. And while you're there, we'd be honored for you to partner with us financially. If this podcast or really any of the content Women in Work produces has been a source of inspiration and encouragement to you. Women in Work is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all your donations are fully tax deductible. And please take a minute to subscribe to our show and also give us a rating and review so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time, friends.